welcome to the world of Elia. Elia is a continent abounding in mystery and lore. For over six centuries, the first great Brune Empire ruled over half the continent. The only thing that stopped their ruthless advance was the joint alliance of the kingdoms of Lamora and Elysia. War raged across the land with heroes rising and falling on both sides of the conflict until one hero rose above the others and ended the conflict. In the following 150 years since the war was won by the hero Elon and his faithful companions, the empire was fractured and local nobles grasped for power. The nobles of the Middle Kingdoms seek their own glory as they squabble over the very few stretches of land that remain. There is turmoil in the Southlands as monster activity has increased. Murmurs abound in the east. The new Brunish Emperor desires power and will seek any means to obtain it. Revolution spreads to the land as corruption in the noble classes runs rampant. But most disturbing is the fact that the magical barriers around the continent that once held back the forces of darkness have suddenly stopped working. What secret force is at work that seeks to destroy the balance of the world? From humble beginnings, our new heroes in the making will journey across the paths of destiny and duty toward the future. Whether the future holds death or life for the world is entirely within the grasp of our party. Choices must be made and consequences must be suffered if the party is to do what must be done. Our camera now shifts from darkness of the cloudy sky down below and you see on the horizon glowing like a fire there are entire cities burning there is a valley that hosts two massive armies clashing against each other there is the sound of battle and screaming death and gnashing of teeth and on one side, you have the forces of darkness. There are demons and devils, but also humanoids. Humans, elves, orcs, halflings. On the other side, you also have those same humanoid species, but there is more of a celestial presence on this side. Angels, gods, but then there's also things that would surprise you goblins, strange creatures that you would think from a storybook nightmare has come out to eat you, but they are also fighting for the sake of the light. A massive battle, a world-ending battle is happening in the valley down below. And on the ridge, our six heroes have finally made it to their fate. They look up and they see as the second moon, Eth, starting to fracture up above. But before it does, a voice cries out close. I always knew it would end up this way. I can't believe that we came from the same town. Your darkness has ended this whole world. The group looks behind them to see a familiar face. It's a face that they've known since childhood, and yet 
It's a face twisted by horrible, horrible acts. They turn just as they hear the sound of the moon fracturing up in the sky, and from the inside, the moon erupts. Chunks of moon and dust and particles are flying down through the air and collide into the ground, sending up waves of destruction. And right before the destruction takes our party, there's a thought inside each of their heads. It says, it wasn't supposed to be this way. No, no, it wasn't supposed to be like this. It, where did we go wrong? And now the camera cuts and we see a starry night in the crown jewel of the Elysian kingdom, the capital city of Alice. As a little gnome hurries down the street, passing building after building, seeing the familiar sights of the town that he's always lived in. He goes past the place where he works. He goes inside the door and on side on the side of the door, there's a sign that says Yibble's Investigations featuring Egan Balinor. He goes and opens the door. Ding, 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 ding. The door opens up and over his shoulder, you can see John, take it away. So you see a young, young 20 something gray tiefling with black, with grayish hair and black horns, short in length. He is dressed like you might see somebody bespoke suited up. Very proper, very upkept. He is fidgeting with notes at his desk, and you see him quickly close one of the drawers in his desk as his old companion, friend for the past five years, and mentor, Drexel the Gnome, approaches. Is there... So do we have new post coming in, Drexel? Uh, yeah, actually, um, you, you got this letter here. It's, it's addressed to you, actually. Here you go. Thank you. He hands you an envelope. Paper crippling, crumpling, opens up. It appears that I have to go back to Braven Drexel. I have to see to my father's estate. I think I actually have to go this time. No, don't. Don't worry, I'll be fine this time. I know you know, I really hate it when you get it in my head. Sorry, it's, it's, it's force of habit. It, I just sometimes pick up on things. It's... I guess it's been two months since my father passed. Um... But I have to go see about it. There's no new cases. I never have new cases. Um, but I guess that's fine. Um, is it okay if I use the, the cart to travel? Uh, yeah, we got a representative there in Braven who can bring it back. So if, if you need to stay, stay. It's, it's no big deal. Of course. Not like you're busy anyways. 
one day, that'll change. The uh, tiefling stands up, dusts off his coat, meticulously puts away his desk, and the bottom left-hand drawer locks the key. Takes the key with him. Gets together his belongings, a satchel, a pipe, and a fresh pouch of tobacco. Do you think I should say goodbye to Tinks and Toppin before we leave? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you don't say goodbye, they're going to tear the city up and down looking for you. Aiden walks and leaves the establishment and walks outside to the cart. And I assume you would see Tinks and Toppin, these small gnome children, the grandchildren of Drexel the gnome. And Aiden approaches, loads up his gear on the cart. Ready to head off to Braven. Gives a tussle in the head to Tinks. Uh, sits down next to Toppin. Remember what I told you. You have to protect everybody if I'm not here. Where are you going? I have to go home. I have to go to my house and take care of some business. But I'm sure I'll be back before you know it. But you're in mm. charge while I'm gone. <laughs> Did you hear that? I'm in charge, Tink. No, he was talking to me. And we'll load up the cart. Get in. Load up his pipe. Pack a bowl. Couple of puffs. Breathe in. I have to do this. And with that, the camera slowly pans away as this cart is clobbling along the camera now kind of transitions into a dark forest glade where unbeknownst to the residents of this particular area in the forest they are being watched these two goblins are squabbling over a haunch of meat when suddenly an arrow takes one in the eye dropping it dead where it stood the second has little time to react as another arrow comes, zzz, bullseye, drops him before he even knows what hit him. Over the body of the two goblins, we see a young figure approaching to claim his arrows. A young halfling, uh, curly brown hair and small growing mutton chops, steps over to the bodies. He stares at them for a minute before shaking his head and moving to collect the arrows. He hears the rustle of the leaves, the calling of animals again. He knows he's brought peace, at least to this section of the forest. As he heads back into town, the camera transitions and fades, and we see a study in a room full of books. We see a lone figure sitting in the middle of a room, face buried in a book, stacks of books beside him. Very focused, <clears throat> quiet, 
trying to absorb every single detail from the scrolls is this white hair, big beard looking guy with no room for error in the way that he thinks. And Vibril looks out the window up to the sky as his brain is turning, looks back down and just continues to steady. There is a knock on the door. He slowly opens the door and sees his mentor figure, Dagon Viermeyer. Oh, Vabril, I've read your thesis. It's very good work, very honest and thorough work. Appreciate it, Master. I believe that I have taught you everything that I could, and that you will become a great sage one day, just like your father. So tell me, young Vabril, where are you going next? Your first step of freedom on your own. Without a doubt, I need to go see my father and let him know that I have achieved our secret arts, one of the last and only members um, of our clan. So I'm going home, Master. I'm going home to let my father know I have achieved and I am one of the few. A (laughs) sage and an eldritch knight. That you are, my young squire. You will do the order proud. And as they clasp, clasp forearms together, the camera pans now very far away from where that last scene just took place. It's a busy night here at the Luca's amazing traveling menagerie. The crowd is hustling and bustling all about, and Luca himself has drawn him one of the biggest crowds he's had in a while. Morellan Ward stands on the stage, and as he waits for the audience to die down, his lyre in one hand, he waves his hand over his head to gesture thanks and admiration to the crowd, and a keen eye would see a slaver's shackle underneath his sleeve. A flick of the elbow hides that again. And he addresses the crowd. Would you like to hear one more tale? Maybe one of my heroes from a past life? Word around the kingdom is these are getting quite popular. He says this with a smile that feigns a sense of humility. These patrons, as any other, are eager to hear a cunning tale about Aeon, boy detective. (laughs) <laughs> who could uh, how to say it solve any mystery twice as fast as any fully funded king's court or learn life lessons life lessons from Cyprus who rarely seems to notice the proverbial elephant in the room but the stories always leave you feeling like there's more to life than than this But today, Morellan guides the audience on an escape into a comedy. 
surrounding Kiki and her Wabajak juice. Infinite possibilities for the unsuspecting patrons. Through spoken word, music, and a clever use of some cantrips, Morellan brings his tale to the theater of every mind. But as he leaves the stage for his quarters, and he shuts his door a little too hard, a sudden movement against the wall draws from him a thrown dagger as fast as an arrow. Two more appear in his hands before the blades even seem to come in contact with the wall. And the dagger catches the chain of Tom Ward, his pendant, and it hangs on the wall before it's even moved a foot closer to the ground. Morellan always kept it as a memento, um, close to where he slept. And the memento it was an all-too-real reminder of a life lived long ago. Braven. Uh, what feels like more than one man's fair share of years has passed since he stepped foot in those hills. And some of the life has been magic, most of it better left in the past. And as he catches his breath and the familiar cold wave sets into his chest, he finally comes to terms with the decision he made long ago. This needs to go back home. I owe the truth to my father. My mother should know how brave her son was until the end. Um, so Morellan, you see him set his face and he approaches Luca with a set of determination and he says, uh, it's, it's time I have to go. It would, it would be nice if the family came, uh, but if it's not in the cards, I must request a temporary severance from the company. It's time that I visit my home. This stout dwarf, dark skin, dark beard, looks up at you and he knew this day was coming, but he always tried to put it off. He says, well, if you're determined, boy, safe travels. We'll always have a spot here for you. You've, you've saved my life, Luca, and there's nothing, there's nothing I have that I could give you to make up for that, but... I, I count you and everyone here as very dear family. Thank you for everything. No, you better go before I <clears throat> put a bounty on you or something. Ugh. He kind of sucks up a tear. It's like I'm losing a son. Morellan acknowledges this. He sees it and without any form of gesture, there's an understanding and he turns on his heel. He doesn't look back. As Marillan sets on his way, the camera pans over his shoulder, back over towards his destination. The camera settles now as it comes up over the corpse of a recently deceased person, which is unnaturally decomposing a lot faster than a normal dead body should. The setting sun streams into the hidden cave, glinting and spurring the deep red pool of blood into a muddy purple. A tall woman with gorgeous and long and curly silver hair quickly flicks the blood from her sickle and kneels over the limp and rapidly cooling body. Lost and wandering wayward soul, may the spirit of Osiris guide you to a wonderful rebirth. And with that, the flesh of the crumpled body begins decaying and rotting away faster. Mushrooms and bacteria and other forms of life quickly descend onto the corpse. The woman, most call her Kalekki, 
child of the bright moons, and even few know her as Kiki, reached a blood-soaked hand into her pocket. She unfurls a scroll, crosses another name from the list, and heads back home. The camera now quickly pans up into the starry sky where Lux, the first moon, and Eth, the second moon of this world, are high in their orbit, waning to their natural positions. A cold wind blows across the vast, untamed lands near the world's eye. Creatures and monsters cry out with primal voices, hunter, hunted. Life and death in the untamed lands, this cycle is especially vicious. Life and death, death and life. Under the stars, Cypress Ironwood lies waiting. For what? He doesn't know. A sign? A purpose? Death? He's been waiting in this spot, unmoving, for the past two years. Suddenly, a comet appears in the sky. Cypress perks up and hurriedly reads the night sky. Comets are not usually good omens, especially ones that show up unexpectedly and in such an ominous color. Oi, Finn! That's a... that's no good right there, man. Beside him, Fern the tortoise nods his head. Ah, yeah, no, that's real bad. Uh, you remember the, those future visions uh, I told you about? Nods his head. Uh, this could be that. Could be something else, though. I don't know. Oh, people need to be warned about this. The turtle nods its head. Now, Fern, come on, we've already had this talk. I can't go back to Braven. Not not after what, what happened. I, I failed everyone. Fern nods its head. Uh, you always know what to say, Fern. All right, all right, all right, I'll go. I'll go. Tell Marta and the kiddos goodbye for me. And you see Cypress, his six foot eight, Vorforged body stand up. And the weeds and vines over the past two years that had begun to claim his body into the earth snap away under his strength. As he shakes the dirt off of himself, he looks around and begins walking at a good pace. After a moment, he stops, looks up at the sky, turns in the opposite direction, ah, this way, and begins running off into the night and will be running for several months now. And we'll find out how these brave adventurers get their start right after this break. Tropes and Tabletops presents Fate Reforged. And welcome to Tropes and Tabletops, an actual play podcast where we actually play tabletop role-playing games. My name's John. You'll be seeing me on this channel throughout uh, via YouTube as well. We're going to be playing some D&D 5th edition with a homebrew campaign created by our very own Andrew. How's it going, Andrew? Oh, it's going very good, John. How are you? I'm doing well. Dude, I'm pumped to play some games. Most people will be listening to this first time, but we've had a four-part prologue leading up to this campaign. Yeah, that's right. I really wanted to flush out everybody's 
character. A lot of role-playing games start out with everybody's, I'm a level one adventurer and I've already slayed a dragon. Uh, I wanted our characters to start out at level zero. So basically at the level of an NPC or a non-player character. I felt this was a good way to kind of explore their characters so they could get a good vibe of how they want to react to the world. I mean, we've been playing together for a couple of years now. So me, Andrew, and a couple of the guys who are also going to be, you're going to be here in a minute. Uh, we just finished up another homebrew campaign with one of our other players. And, you know, I did the typical edgelord rogue um, character. I think it's everybody's first like play and like to get in there and like snarky comments, do a lot of damage. Not, not very creative beyond that. But I'm pretty stoked to be playing a tiefling, Aberrant Mind Sorcerer. That's actually a new build that just came out with Tasha's Cauldron. So look it up on D&D Beyond. It's a real cool aspect. A little bit of Mind Flayer powers. We'll see how that goes. But I'm pretty pumped about it. So maybe let's bring... I'll let you, Andrew, go ahead and take us through meeting a little bit of the cast. Who's going to be playing and what they might be playing. So... We might, we might get some details. We might get a little bit of mystery. We'll see. Thanks, John. Yeah, we are very excited to uh, welcome a returning member from our previous game. Uh, new to the podcast, we're going to go ahead and introduce him as Joshua Yoda. Go ahead and tell us about your character, Josh. So my character is Verbreo Nasuo, and he is a fighter with kind of a background being a sage. And a little bit of homebrewed, a little bit, and uh, an Eldritch Knight, a little bit of a difference kind of an Eldritch Knight. So I'm pretty excited to test them out. And um, I'm still a rookie. This is actually my second campaign, so I still have a lot to learn, but uh, I'm excited to get the ball rolling. Excellent. And we look forward to seeing you in action. Uh, we're going to go now to the DM from our last homebrew game. Uh, this is TJ, TJ Edwards. <clears throat> hey, bro. Glad to be here. Oh, thanks, bro. Good to have you. Yeah, no problem, bro. Uh, so yeah, I'm TJ. I'm going to be playing Cypress Ironwood, uh, Warforged Druid, uh, recently settled on following the Circle of Stars, which is another of the newer uh, things put out through Tasha's. So very excited to get to be playing that here in the near future. And we're looking forward to seeing what kind of new mysteries await in that uh, exciting uh, class that just came out. Uh, also returning from our previous homebrew campaign is the other brother, Steven. Hey, I'm playing. Hey, bro. My... What? I said, hey, bro. Hey, hey, I'm playing Milo Hilltopper. He's a uh, halfling ranger. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. Woot, woot. Woot, woot, indeed. All right, so we're going to bring in a couple new people to this campaign, uh, starting out with the last brother, Ethan. Go ahead and introduce your character. Hi there. Uh, my name is Ethan, and I'll be playing uh, Collect Key. Um, she is a grave cleric with a bit of a mysterious quest, and I'm going to leave it at that. But I'm really excited to bring her to the table and see what we can do. Excellent. And last but certainly not least, the man of many mysteries, the man of many songs. Kyle, go ahead and introduce your character. Hello, uh, I'm Kyle. I will be playing a character named Morellen Ward, uh, who will be a bard. Um, as he grew up, he had a lot of clerical background. His father was a cleric and his mother was a bard. Um, so I'll be balancing 
that history paired with a couple other personal um, endeavors uh, through Morellan's career. Yeah, and just like everybody else, I worked with with Morellan and Kiki and, and everyone to kind of create a uh, purpose in the world. So why is your character here? Why is he doing these things? What kind of events have led him to become an adventurer? And I'm very excited as we begin this campaign to see how that's going to unfold. Absolutely. Well, I think that's the full cast and crew. So, Andrew, you've actually made this campaign and built it up. You've had this in your mind for a while now. And I think you've even used some of the other like online resources. If somebody were interested in your world that you built, where might they find that? Ah, yes. You can find our entire up-to-date list of NPCs, worlds, uh, events, and things that the characters have knowledge of on worldanvil.com. This is worldanvil.com slash W slash Elia. That's E-L-I-A dash Andrew Edwards. I've got hours and hours and hours upon hours of putting information into this website as a tool for our players and for our listeners. So they can get to know uh, the NPCs, the places, the lore, the history of this world that I've created. The last few weeks have been rather nice for everyone here in Braven. You might say this is the calm before the storm, but it's a storm that nobody knew was on the horizon. Our players, reunited after several years apart, have finally gathered back together in their hometown of Braven. Several years have passed since the events that led these intrepid heroes in the making to become who they are today. But none of that really felt like it was the end. There was always that, what's next? What's going to happen next moment? And so for Aeon Balinor, who came back to town after having investigated several mysteries on his own over in the Elysian capital, it felt a little bit of a letdown. Nothing super important happened while he came back to collect his father's things after his father's death. There were many packages and letters that he hastily packed away. He couldn't quite bear to open everything yet, as he was very dear to his father. The reunions happened between the group, and they all found themselves having uncomfortable silence. It's like that unsilence when you have friends who've kind of said everything that needs to be said, and yet there's still so many things that haven't been said yet. It's So it's a quiet, sort of awkward group that is standing outside the hill that it leads into town, and they're all standing there watching Aeon Balinor pack up his bags and put him into his cart as he is about to head back over to the Elysian capital in his previous life. There's a few farewell handshakes and a few goodbyes. And as Aeon sits down in the cart, loaded with, up with his belongings, and the driver of the cart uh, begins to get the horse to move forward, there is a bustling and a loud 
disturbance coming from the woods just outside of town. Coming right out of the woods, there is a robed figure running, clutching something in his arms, and he is running for his life. There are arrows and spears kind of landing all around him, and he shouts in panic as whenever he sees the group of figures there standing beside the road. Help! Please, help! Uh, you see everyone then, all, all of a sudden, all eyes are drawn to this man who is running towards them at full speed, and behind him, crashing out of the brush, there are eight goblins snarling and, and licking their teeth, waiting for the meal that's about to come their way. Uh, I'm going to need everyone to please roll initiative. The first initiative roll! Hopefully, hopefully not the last. Yeah. If we TP, let's not TPK the uh, first comp interaction. Also 12. <laughs> uh, An has rolled a gentleman's 10 with his modifier. That was an eight on the die. So, you know, he's in a cart. He's, he's busy with stuff. All right. Uh, Marilyn, you said 18. An has 10. Who said 12? Me. And you guys. Yeah. Okay. Ethan and Steven. Between the two of you, who has the highest dex modifier? For those uh, of you new to. For those of you new to tabletop role playing games, uh, whenever you tie on an initiative score, whoever has the highest dexterity modifier instant, uh, can go first. So, uh, mine's a plus three. Plus three. All right. Here we go, guys. Uh, starting off, Marilyn, you see this uh, robed figure who has emerged from the woods now. And I'm going to go ahead and put him on Roll20.net, which is where we have all of our maps. So for those of you who are watching the podcast, you might be able to see that. For those of you who are listening, please bear with us. All right. So you see this robed figure popping out of the woods. There are goblins hot on his trail. Marilyn, it is your move, sir. I don't have a whole lot of capability to do anything as of yet, so I think I'm just gonna hold my hold my turn. There's nothing. Hold your turn too for beneficial. what? <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I don't. I'm with the uh, limited spells I have. I just don't think I have any foreseeable action yet. Um, so actually, I think I would like to uh, do some bardic inspiration, maybe on Vabril. Look over at him, and he's been eager. He's been eager to get a little action in. Be like, hey, it's your time, buddy. It's your time, buddy. What do you think you're going to do, man? All right. Can you go ahead and explain to our listeners what Bardic Inspiration is? I love yeah, it. Yeah, um, I can read it to you once I find it. Um, as a bonus action, a creature other than you within 60 feet that can hear you gains an inspiration die, 1d6. Uh, for 10 minutes, the creature can add it to one ability check, attack roll, or saving throw. This can be added after seeing the roll, but before knowing the outcome. Perfect. All right, Vabril, you have inspir bardic inspiration, my friend. All right, now let's see. We've got Goblin 1 here. He's going to run up and... He's going to chuck a spear at the roped person because he says, that's my dinner. 
right. I'm going to go ahead and roll. And it hits. So you see this goblin chuck this crude-looking, nasty, jagged spear right into the back clavicle kind of area of this robed figure who is not very happy with that. Uh, The second goblin who is right next to him is actually going to go ahead and attack as well. He's going to roll, and he's going to miss. So he's got a little short bow. He kind of stops for a second and and takes aim, but he's he's probably nearsighted, so he missed. Uh, Let's see. We've got... Uh, Milo, you are on deck right after this goblin here goes. Milo and then Kiki. So these goblins here are going to run up. Uh, They're going to chuck. And it hits. So you see a second spear kind of come in. And you hear it sickening impact. uh, Right on the back of this guy. And he is not happy. Having been stabbed in the back, who would be? All right, we've got another goblin here. He's going to come out and pick up his short bow, and he is going to take aim. He hits, and this robed figure collapses onto the ground. Milo, it is your turn, my friend. All right. Milo moves forward and shoots at the closest goblin to him. With a bow and a weapon such as that, there are two different ranged ranges that they use uh they are just out of they are just out of range of the normal bow so i will be rolling with disadvantage that is a 10 to hit a 10 misses you see this goblin just kind of like sidesteps a little bit he wasn't expecting anybody else to attack, but he was ready for whatever was coming. Uh, Kiki, you are up. Fabril, cool. you are on deck, my friend. All right. So I think that Kiki is going to go ahead and move her 30 feet. And then if I can, I'm just going to go from there. And then um, there's still a bit out of range but you said that the roped figure was down uh that is correct he is on the ground okay then and dashing takes up it doubles your movement right correct but it uses your action that you get every turn so then i think that kiki is going to run up uh she's going to dash over uh to her 60 feet and actually let me pull this up real quick (laughs) no okay never mind um i think that what she's going to do then instead is gonna go ahead actually no okay sorry All right. All right, you dashed. Perfect. Vabril, you are up, and Aegon is on deck. Merlin, thanks for the inspiration. I dashed about 60 feet behind Kiki, and that's it for me. All right. Aegon, you're on. 
So Ayan will see what's going on and rotate. Um, he's going to move up. What's my, my, my double check? But he's not going to double sprint, but because he, he's going to use another action. His walking speed is about thirty, so he's going to be. Let's call that thirty-ish. Thirty feet, heading up behind. Um, seeing his friends run off into battle, he doesn't want to miss this. Um, and so he's going to cast Mage Armor on himself. So, Mage Armor, touch a willing creature who isn't wearing armor and protective magical force surrounding surrounds it until the spell ends. Target's base AC becomes 13 plus, its dexterity, mod dexterity modifier spell ends if the target dons armor, or if you dismiss the spell as an action. So he's Mage Armored up, coming in behind the ranks. Perfect. All right, so with that, the last of the two goblins are going to move up. Having seen that their prey has fallen, these two are going to ready an action. You see them kind of take out their bows and kind of take aim, and that's the end of their turn. So we're going to go back up to the top of the round. Uh, oh, actually, before that, uh, the cart driver, who is here, says, oh, I didn't get paid for this. Uh, he is going to turn his horse around and quickly trot off screen. <laughs> my things, my precious things. <laughs> my cabbages. He, <laughs> he says, don't worry, you get your cabbages later. I'll meet you in town if you live. Driver. All right, uh, Marilyn, you're up, buddy. The... Uh... The only course of action, it would be to dash. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and dash as well. Just 60 feet up. We are all just leaping into combat here. It's amazing. That's about all I can do. When I finally reach those ants on the horizon, they're going to pay. <laughs> <laughs> they better stay there, though. All right. So Goblin 1 is going to immediately kind of come up and he's going to take a shot at whoever is closest which is going to be all right kiki this goblin takes a shot at you he thinks oh i just got my dinner and now someone's going to take it away all right so a seven does that meet your armor class kiki surprisingly no no it doesn't um yeah i didn't think so seven. <laughs> yeah Kiki just looks over and like, tink. <laughs> I think it's one of those things like you, you see it coming and you're just like, duck. Yeah, got it. No problem. All right. His buddy, though, is going to fire. Uh, let's see. That's an 11. So it's going to miss you, Kiki, as well, probably, right? Yep. All right. Uh, goblin number three is going to come up. He's going to run kind of this way. And... Really isn't in range of too many people. Let's see. Yeah, Kiki, even though he's at disadvantage, he's going to go ahead and take a shot at you just because you're the closest person. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So, yeah, Kiki, the bar, the uh, <clears throat> the grave cleric who rushes in. Uh, 12, does that hit your armor class? No. All right, so that guy misses as well. <laughs> <laughs> Level one goblins, guys. All right. All right, and the 
<laughs> yeah, they're level one adventurers, guys. This is your uh, rival team. Uh, okay, so the next goblin's going to run up and hit uh, Milo. You're up, and Kiki's on deck. All right. Milo is going to move a little closer and take a shot. Okay, go ahead and roll it. That's a 20 to hit. Uh, six oh, yeah. piercing damage. Six piercing damage. And that's this closest one here, right? Yes. That's the one that... Okay, the closest one to you. All right, yeah, he takes the hit, and he is not happy about it. He's... He's limping. He's got. He's on death's door. All right, Kiki, you're up. Cool. Okay, so I'm going to run up, and I think that would be about here, trying to get as if I can select her, uh, kind of close to the body as all i can really think to describe it as possible um is so i think that kiki what she's going to do is that grave clerics actually have a pretty cool thing where they don't have to touch the person to use spare the dying um and they can use that as Mm -hmm. a bonus action it just has to be within 30 feet so i think that she's going to go ahead and use that okay yeah you use spare you use spare the dying uh, you hear him kind of, uh, 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 he was not having a good day, but now he's not dead. So maybe cool. it, it'll get better for him. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, and she's also going to use sacred flame uh, on this little guy, the one that's closest to her. All right. So he's got to be a dexterity save of what? Um, Flavor-like radiance descends on a creature that you can see within range. Target must succeed on a dexterity saving throw or take 1d8 radiant damage. Uh, let's see. The target gains no benefit from cover from this saving throw. And they will have to beat 8 plus 6. Let me get my thinking cap on. So 14. He rolls an 11. So he does not save. Fantastic. Oh, that's horrible for him, but lovely for me. Um, let me find a D8 real quick. That's how we're going. <laughs> okay. He only takes two radiant damage. Hey, he doesn't like it, though. He takes it, and he's like, fine, I guess. <laughs> All right, uh, Fabril and then Ayan. All right. I'm going to dash another 60 feet, get up in this goblin's face right here, and just stare him down. So as you're looking into those nasty, putrid yellow eyes, you see that this guy is pretty scared. He's never actually had somebody come up and run up to him before. He is not liking that. Uh, however, it is his buddy's turn, and he is very protective of his friend over there. Uh, he's going to go ahead and draw his short bow and attack. But I'm guessing a nine does not beat your armor class. He misses. All right, his buddy's going to go. And that's a two. 
So these guys are gone. Uh, these two back here are kind of kind of set up shop. These guys in the back, they are gonna kind of move this way, and everybody witnesses as these goblins are kind of moving into position to continue their assault. There is this moment where there are kind of in the background you see these birds kind of they they all kind of fly out of the way and you're like okay what else is coming and you hear the thump 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 something big something heavy something very fast and unrelenting is crashing through the underbrush underbrush and all of you witness as this six foot eight black gleaming uh, limbed warforged <laughs> green green glowing eyes pops out of the foliage behind these last two goblins Cypress uh, so Cypress enters the scene um, he's, he's chasing down these goblins uh, he's not even going to acknowledge his friends yet uh, he has a very serious expression and actually as you see him uh, enter the scene you can see it looks like his wooden arms uh, almost appear to be covered in like little dandelions uh, here as he moves his hand over his arm and then brings it up to his mouth and blows out and you see this uh, he casts a spell fairy fire and so these all these little dandelion particles fly through the air in a 20-foot cube and I'm going to need uh, several of these little goblin dudes to make uh, dexterity saving throws, I believe. Ooh, they don't like doing those things. Uh, what do they have to beat, Cypress? Uh, it's a DC 14. All right, so I'm going to roll for both of them. Uh, at least three of them um, here. From okay. What, like this little group here. Ah, all right. Because it's a 20-foot cube. Gotcha, 20-foot cube. All right, so one of them got a natural 20. It is his lucky day, but the other two fail. Okay. So those two that failed, uh, they are now have a faint green glowing outline as like those little dandelion particles kind of stick to them uh, here. So now anybody that is firing against them or attacking them has advantage on them. All right, so we'll go ahead and mark it as this. Mm -hmm. All right, anybody attacking goblins seven and four are going to have advantage. And then I'm just going to uh, move up a little bit to get in a little bit all closer. Right. So actually, that was all as part of your uh, layer action as you kind of move in. Uh, so it'll be Marilyn, you're up next. And then Cypress, since you rolled 17 on your initiative, you're actually going right after Marilyn again. Okay, great. Wonderful. Um. Marilyn's going to run up another 30 feet, and as soon as I can do that, wherever 30 feet is, roughly there, I'm going to cast Sleep um, in between the top three goblins there. All right. Go ahead and get all of your Sleep dice ready. Right. <laughs> Not the awake ones. We don't want those. Wait a minute. And that came out Boo. to a tw 23 on the <laughs> D8s. Okay, so 23 points. So you see that all three of these goblins just suddenly kind of drop where they are. They are all sleeping. So these these two up top, and then I'm guessing the one on the right here? or um, The ones that are closest to Cyprus. 
the top three on the map. I can't see any numbers if they have numbers. Okay, the top three that are closest to Cyprus. Okay, I gotcha. All right, so you see in the back row, all oh, of these goblins yeah. are now, they just co instantly collapse and they are they are asleep. So that is number... Oh, night-night, boys. All right. Nicely done. Cypress, you are up, my friend. Andrew, right. can you see that on the map? Yes. Okay. Very good. Uh, so Cypress is, um, sees the, the goblins uh, sleep in front of him. He's going to get within 30 feet of the closest one. And you see a green light appear in his hand as a vine shoots out and attempts to grab one of these goblins uh, here by the foot. Uh, that's going to be a 18 plus to hit. Uh, that definitely beats a goblin's armor class. Yep. And it's a d6, so uh, five points of piercing damage. Okay. Uh, here, and then I'm going to pull it 10 feet closer to me, just drag it on the ground uh, towards me. This is like one of those scenes from the horror movies where like, you have like the camera angle on the person's face, and all of a sudden they just get, ah! you just get dragged backwards. Yes. And then I will ready my. Are we feeling bad for the goblins? <laughs> Are we the no. bad guys? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that's all I'm doing with my turn. Okay. All right. So, Goblin, that is right up next to Vabril. He is going to uh, pull out a little dagger, and he's going to swing. Vabril does a 10 beat your armor class. Nope. You guys are unstoppable. <laughs> uh, yeah. His buddy was like, hey, man. What the heck? I just got pulverized by this bow and arrow. Um, he's actually going to try and take off. Uh, Vabril, he is moving out of your movement range. So go ahead and give me a uh, attack of opportunity, if you so wish. Be my pleasure. So that is a 7 plus 5, 12 to hit. Uh, 12 does not beat his armor class. Oh, so he... On. He kind of ducks under the way and, and scurries away. <laughs> All right. Keeping things moving, we've got this one over here. This one was asleep, so he is still sleeping. All right. This other one over here, though. Nope, and he's sleeping too. Whoops. All right, Milo, you're up, buddy. Did you have a chance to skip me? Ayan, you are after Vabril. Vabril used his uh, reaction to take a opportunity attack. Oh. So that's why he moved. I feel like oh, a why second ago you said I was on deck right before um, TJ crashed through. I mean, uh... Big stick crash through. <laughs> Big stick. Um, Cypress crashed through. I thought I was on deck already. All a right. Has everyone we gone a second time? Because I have not gone a second time. All right. Yeah, so we wrong. did end up skipping AN. You guys speak up, buddy. <laughs> I, I just did. <laughs> oh, thanks. I can tell. All right. 
Let's uh, reverse the hands of time a little bit. Let's reforge this fate. Uh, Agen, go ahead and make your move, bud. I'll give you... Fate reforged, right now. my friend. Hey. Fate reforged. And in credits. <laughs> that was the whole plot. <laughs> yep, it's over. So, Aen is going to move... If he can move, thank you. Can, can we move 30, 30-ish feet somewhere... I don't know. My computer's roll. Tony's wanting to be obstinate right now. Give me a sec. And this homeboy, um, I'm gonna need him to roll a uh, which goblin are you targeting? Um, the, the one it's, I pinged it, but I guess it's not showing. Okay. Nope. I see it now. Intelligent saving throw. He is to have the intelligent save. needs a 14. A 14, huh? Ah, these are your average Joe goblins. So let's see what he does. And that's a 10. So he does not pass his save. So the cantrip mind sliver enacts, and he is going to take four points of psychic damage and then he has 1d4 minus from his remaining saving throws we'll call it uh, only minus one from his remaining saving throws okay he is not feeling very good at all this guy is like freaked out at the moment because something just happened to his brain and it hurts that will be turn all right so, uh, Ayan, you are after Vabril. So we're going to go ahead and have you go again after Vabril. Who comes after Kiki? Who comes after Milo? All right. I rolled a 13 to hit, 7 piercing damage. Uh, 13 does not hit. All right. That's my turn. Uh, all right. Yeah. You see this arrow kind of like zzz, right by his head. Uh, Kiki, you're up. Cool. Um, I'm not going to waste a spell slot so I am going to continue to cast a sacred flame uh, on just the one that's closest to me or actually the same one that uh, you did last time or the one that uh, is over there by Vabril you know what let me go ahead and I'm going to move to where I am standing over um, the now unconscious body All right, uh, and then I'm going to Go ahead and, um, you know what? Uh, I feel like Vibriel's got uh, that one over there, so I'll just do the one that's closest to me. The one that's bleeding out of his eyes and just finished putting out radiant flames on him? Yes. All right, let's do it. Is that the one that Aeon just attacked? Yes. He is okay. on death's door. He is barely hanging in there. Uh, and he failed his save, so you see him kind of light up like this greasy goblin torch that he is, and he collapses onto the ground. And dead. remind me, oh, which one? That one? The one that was on your right, yep. Oh, he's dead? Yes, you finished him off. Oh. He did not He did not pass his saving throw, so. Oh, okay. Did he only have like one HP left? He did. So there was no way that you could have <laughs> not killed him. I, I was like, hang on, something feels wrong. I feel like I'm missing something. <laughs> no, no, he was destined to die. Oh, man, what a move. His fate was not reforged. 
Vabril. All right, Vabril, you're up. A, and you're on deck. I've been training for years. It's time to put my knowledge and skill set to the test. Vabril rolls. 18 to hit. That hits. Beautiful. And I have a four plus five. Nine damage. You cleave this goblin. After the initial kind of like, ah, I can't believe that one got away. uh, (laughs) You straight up just murder this goblin. Beautiful. Yeah, he is dead. Number three for the count. Ayan, my friend, that is you. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, Vibril, after that, will take... Ah, moving. Yes, Vibril will take... I mean, I'll move 30, 30 feet. Get ready for my next kill. Like the hungry predator he is, <laughs> seeking his next foe. <laughs> years training. All right, Ann, that's you, bud. Gotcha. I was waiting to see, make sure we're done here. Ann's going to continue to move on 30. He's going to end up in these sort of bushes for cover. He's still a little sheepish from the last encounter he had. Where, um, even though years ago, he's still sheep is from brushing in too quickly and getting knocked out so that still carries on with him and he is going to be casting a spell in the direction of this goblin nearest the far right one um he's going to cast something called dissonant whispers so dissonant whispers you whisper a discord melody that only one creature of your choice within range can hear racking it with terrible pain the target must make a wisdom saving throw on a failed save it takes 3d6 psychic damage and most immediately and must immediately use its reaction if available to move as far as its speed allows away from you the creature doesn't move into a obviously dangerous ground such as fire or pit on a successful save the target takes half as much damage and doesn't have to move away Deafened creatures are automatically succeed on saving throws. So we're going to make sure he takes, he's going to make that save. Again, the wisdom saving throw. He needs a 14. All right. Wisdom is not their strongest suit, so. Goblins ain't so wise. Uh, we have a beautiful scene where uh, Aen kind of steps underneath the shadow of this tree and even though his whole figure is cloaked in darkness, we'll say the light around him kind of fades. And as only this goblin sees this, and he is struck with panic and terror as these whispers uh, start seeping into his mind. Uh, Ayn, would you please roll some beautiful damage dice for me? So we've got we've got a five, a six, and a two. That is going to be, if my math serves me correct, thirteen points of psychic damage, which straight up kills this goblin. You see him kind of like ah, ah, ah. He's, he's got this look of panic in his eyes, and he just like ah, and just like heart attack right in the middle of the battlefield. He just plops over. He's dead. 
Uh, all right, so these goblins that are left, they have surveyed the battlefield, and they don't really like what's happening to their friends and to uh, their supposed lunch. Uh, they will... This one back here is going to turn and attack Cypress. But it plinks right off of his wooden and metal frame. Uh, the next one is also going to turn and attack Cypress. And... Nope, that's the one that's sleeping. Never mind. All right, so uh, we're back at the top of the order. Marilyn, it is your turn, my friend. All right, I am going to run up close to where Milo is, and I'll say to him on my way through for some little inspiration, hey, Milo, the stories about you look like they're true. I assume we've talked about the stories in our in our meetup, so kind of razzing him a little bit, but I'll give him a an inspiration dice there. And it puts me close enough to throw a dagger at the goblin that was fleeing to the top of the screen at just under 60 feet. Very good. Yep. Which would be... Go ahead and roll. That'd be a 23 to hit. That definitely hits a little goblin. (laughs) And we're going to get a six damage on that. He only needed one. Uh, you see Marilyn kind of pep-talking Milo as he steps up and unleashes a dagger end over end right in the back of the skull. The goblin drops. He's dead. Uh, Cypress, you're up. All right. Uh, so this one that um, I had pulled, it, it had run up to me to try to hit it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just going to pull out my uh, quarterstaff, and he's still glowing. He is unconscious, so you get advantage. Well, if he was uh, asleep when I hit him with a thorn whip, it uh, would have woken him up. Okay, but he's still prone, so you still have advantage. Yeah, I get it anyways, because he was one of the fairy fire ones. And you have advantages as well. However, you don't have three advantages. So Yeah, very right. Uh, so as he runs up to try to hit at me, I just whoop. And hit his skull for five points of bludgeoning damage. Uh, which is enough to cave it in. So this mm-hmm. guy does not get back up. All right. And then I'll just immediately start uh, running towards the next goblin here that's not asleep or engaged yet. And that's my turn. Perfect. Nice. Okay. What well, goblin one is dead. Goblin two is dead. I think I will right. uh, shout out as I'm chasing this woman. Uh, don't let any of them live. Get them all. Yes, you finally hear the voice of Cyprus after five long years, and he commands you, kill them all. Uh, goblin number three is burning to a crisp right now. Uh, goblin number five. Milo, you are up after this. He is going to... Hey, why is there a red mark on this goblin here? It's got Did you guys do something? Fairy fire. Fairy fire, right. Um, he is going to just turn and just book it. Because he says, all of my friends are dead. Uh, he is going to book it. And he leaves. Uh, Milo, you're up. All right. Milo is going to walk 25, as that is his movement. Uh, and shoot. 
the goblins hey, that are left that are what? I was just going to say, Steve, even though he's off the map, he didn't have enough movement to fully move out of your range. If you want to take a shot at the one that ran. Oh, yes. All right. I get advantage as he still has the fairy fire. Yes, there's this green glowing goblin just sprinting through the bushes. All right. Uh, 17 to hit. That hits. All right. That is going to be 10 piercing damage. 10 piercing damage was enough. You see this uh, goblin just kind of, ah, and he doesn't get back up. All right, he's dead. Thanks Kiki, it's your the, turn. Uh, thanks for the pep talk. <laughs> thanks for the XP. <laughs> um, I think that... <laughs> I think that Kiki is going to use uh, um, free action to talk to Cyprus. So, why are we trying to kill them all? Cypress isn't going to respond as he's focused on running on the other. An eerie mood settles on the battlefield as Cypress pointedly ignores Kiki's question. Uh, Kiki, what's your action and and movement going to look like? So Kiki is going to... I think that she's still going to... She's going to walk a little bit away from the body, but not too much, only about like 10 feet or so. Um, and then going to cast Sacred Flame on the one that is currently passed out behind a bush. Okay, all right. So they'll need to make uh, a it automatic. Save. Well, that one is unconscious, so it automatically fails the dexterity saving throw. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Um, then they take three points of damage of radiant okay. damage. Waking up from a magical sleep to find that you were on fire is not a very fun experience. And he's not happy. Vabril, you're up, my friend. And Ayan, you are on deck. For real this time. (laughs) I get closer to this sleeping gong over here. And here we go. That is 16 to hit. 16 hits. Hold on, hold on. This is an automatic critical. If he is unconscious and you are attacking him, this is an automatic critical. Oh, wow. Maybe only if they're paralyzed? Mm, They're unconscious. They are not moving. Let me double check the rules real quick. Would that have worked for Kiki too? Or does that fall under the coup de grace rule? Unconscious. 1d6. Nope. Would that uh, apply to Kiki's role as well? Can't move. Uh, let me check. Let me check. Surroundings uh, drops what it's holding, falls prone, fails strength deck saves. Attack rolls have advantage. Any attack roll that hits the creature is a critical hit if the attacker is within five feet of the creature. Yep, and you are within five feet. Uh, Kiki, you are not within five feet. No. Okay. Yeah, baby. All right. So that, there... means, so that means I roll twice my my, uh, my d6? Yeah, so you're going to uh, double your damage dice. Okay, so that's 7 plus 5, so that'll be 12 damage. 
yeah. You just take your time right through the heart. Oh, it doesn't yeah. make a sound. All right, Ian, Surgical. you're up. That's number four. So we only have... I got I got to zoom in. I'm, my roll 20 is on a different monitor. So for those of you watching, you're actually seeing my roll 20. So I apologize if you're not getting the full view of everything. Um, he's going to... Where is the... Am I missing the last goblin? Uh, I think there is two left. There's one here, and then there is another one okay. over on this side. There's um, one having a real bad time right there. Goya, Goya. Um, he's yeah, gonna, he's having a very bad day. He's going to move, and just move up for these bushes and then use a little uh, cantrip energy um, again and use Mind Sliver, and that's an intelligent saving throw. 14 is the save. All right, let me roll. Not very intelligent creatures. Uh, he fails. Uh, well, he's going to be okay because I rolled minimum damage. That's one point of psionic damage. This is the worst day of this guy's life yeah. so far. He's <laughs> just slowly being tortured and killed. <laughs> just put to sleep. We're not... Now he's glowing green. I'm sorry. Now he's on fire. And now he's bleeding out of his ears. I wasn't trying to torture you. Um, I'm just still new at this. <laughs> just put me out of my misery. He shouts as he gets up and... Let's see. You know what? He is going to come up and try to attack you. Because you got super duper close for some reason. Uh, however, he does not roll very well. And misses. So he, he... I'm guessing the blood in his eyes probably got in his way. And he was just lunging at you with this crudely carved knife. And he just completely misses. Uh, the next goblin is going to turn, uh, fear shaking his voice. He's backing up slowly with his bow, and he's just going to take a shot at Cypress uh, and gets a critical hit on Cypress. So, let me see here. Ain't no thing. Well, we'll see. All right, so that's eight damage, Cypress says. This somehow finds a way through your wood armor and your metal frame to kind of pierce something that... Ah, that doesn't feel so good. Uh, concentration check on fairy fire stays. All right, thank you for rolling that. Okay, and we are back at the top of the order with Marilyn. Tell me how you, you walk up and finish this last one that's right in front of Aen here. Well, I'm so far away. Are you going to let me do that little uh, little bit of flare? Yeah, even yeah, if I were to walk want, up bud. and then throw my throw my knife, it'd be bad. It wouldn't make it. <laughs> I think, okay. I think the insinuation is if you kick him enough, he might just roll over. I think because I'm so far away and because I can see the way the battlefield's failing out, I think from being back here, just for fun, I'm going to cast Message on the Goblin. Okay. <laughs> and just get get his head and be like, You tried to have the wrong dinner, my friend. Now you're going to be dinner. We're definitely just the bad guys. We're definitely the bad guys. <laughs> Cypress, you're up. All right. Uh, Cypress is going to drop uh, concentration on fairy fire. Um, the, the one that's right next to and and I'm going to turn my attention to the one that's a little further away and was thinking about running 
Uh, I'm going to say, oh, no, no, and I'm going to shove my fingers into the ground, and you see, uh, traveling through the earth, these vines just pop up uh, all around this goblin and try to restrain him, so I'm going to need a strength saving throw. Okay. As I cast uh, Entangle. Okay, strength. Not goblin specialty. Hey, guess what? They don't have many specialties. (laughs) I got a nat 20. Uh, minus one, so that's a 19. Okay. Well, that does pass very well. It won't be as cool, but I will still uh, run up and get uh, almost right up next to him. Okay. Yeah, yeah. a cornered goblin is, is a little more dangerous than everybody gives him credit for, especially this one. As I run uh, up, then I'll, just, I'll pull out my staff and just be running up to him. There we go. That's it. Okay, Milo, Kiki, Vabril, and, and Ayan all get to act before these goblins. Um, let's go ahead and just say, how do you guys just finish these off? I shoot it with my bow. And arrow. there's no way that these goblins can escape. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, well, if, if you're not going to go, I'll go. Um, no. Kiki, please continue. Oh, I was just going to say that I summon a bolt of radiant damage, read Sacred Flame, and cast it upon the living goblin, setting it aflame. He, for the second time in the last 12 (laughs) seconds, is lit aflame by a sacred fire. Uh, Which one is this? Is this this one? This will be cool. Vabril... Yeah, the, the closest one to you is now dead. Okay, I, uh, I was going to do something, but never mind. No, Nate, he's already <laughs> dead. You, you, you reach out and you're like, let me touch your mind, and it just like lights on fire and dies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he'll, he'll, Ian will then turn to Kiki, and I was like, thank you, Kiki, and the, and then continue on. Okay, so for some weird reason, my character, my token is missing, and there's no one growing real twenty. Uh, that's because you're dead, Vabril. You oh, were never no really way. alive. Oh, no way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There you go. Popped a new one there for you. There we go. Thank you. Bring too hot. Bring too hard to die in first battle. No, sir. Character tokens are missing here in the strange zone. <laughs> All right. Okay. Dang it. Yeah, just flavor it. Yeah, just give me some flavor. You don't actually have to move. We're out of combat. Just tell me how you guys finish this guy off. All right. I'm going to run as fast as I can. I'm going to jump, and I'm just going to throw my iron score towards that goblin in hopes of hitting and, kill- hitting and killing him. Oh, you impale him with a sword, which is not usually a throwing weapon, so that was that was a nice job. Uh, Ayan, did you want to do something real quick? Did you want to use an attack or anything? Now, if if he's finishing him off, he was just going to like focus, and I think what you'll probably even see just as a little flavored text as Ian's starting to focus to to finish off the one that was in front of him. Maybe you see a little bit of blood coming down the nose, like as he's using his psionic powers to do so. And so, there's a part of him that's even relieved that he doesn't have to. All right. Uh, he's staggering there with a gigantic, well, to him, it's gigantic sword sticking out of his chest. Cypress, uh, 
please describe how you ruthlessly end this goblin. Uh, so as he's standing there with a, a sword like halfway out of his chest, I'm just going to run up and grab his scrawny little neck, uh, lift him up in the air, and just slowly push the sword further into him, and then pull it down and just and toss oh, him to the damn. side. Hey guys, surprise! <laughs> uh, you are the bad guys this campaign. <laughs> All right, and with that, our combat encounter has finished. Yeah, first one. And uh, so if we're all done, (laughs) I was going to say that Kiki has something she wants to do with the body, which sounds really bad now that I say it out loud. Go say it to the characters. Let us respond to it. Okay. Um, Kiki is going to... Ethan's not here. Kiki's here. Tell us yeah. what you do. <laughs> uh, I'm going to walk up to the body, kneel down, and say, well, what mess have you gotten yourself into? Um, and she's going to use Circle of Morality, which is a bonus action. Um, so okay. at first level, uh, I can manipulate the lines between life and death. Death, not depth. Um, when you would normally roll one or more dice to restore hit points with a spell to a creature at zero hit points, you instead use the highest number possible for each dice. Um, and yeah. So So, you're just going to go ahead and and heal this, this, uh, robed stranger that you see on the ground. Yes. And it would be, should I just use like one d8 because that's uh what's it called? what would you normally yeah. use and a d8 yeah for so cure instantly wounds, just does one eight. D8. yeah so it just does the full amount mm-hmm. cool uh yeah his uh his tiefling face kind of pops up and you see his his yellow kind of glowing eyes and he opens his mouth to speak and that's where we're gonna take a break Hey guys, John here with Tropes and Tabletops. You've been listening to our episode one special, Fate Reforged. This is our homebrew campaign, D&D 5th edition, written by our very own Andrew Edwards. If you're liking what you're hearing, please stick around. We are just getting started. We are learning as we're going. We've got some new players. We are excited about what's going to be coming up. So if you want to follow along, go ahead and subscribe wherever you find your podcast, download, share with a friend. We'd very much appreciate it. And thank you guys so much for listening. No more delay. Let's get to the rest of the episode. What kind of mess have you gotten yourself into? He looks up with these haunted eyes and he says, The return. The return. The return. It can't be stopped. The return of what? The end. The consumer. The one who destroys. He's coming. He can't be stopped. I've seen it over and over again. And as he he says this, he kind of props himself up on his hands and knees and he he reaches into his robe and he pulls out this 12-sided orb and it's flashing and pulsing and he says, I've seen it. I've seen it so many times, the return. No matter what we do, it can't be changed. And as he is 
holding this 12-sided glowing from the inside orb, it activates. There is a flash of white light. And you all see yourself standing in this white space. No wind, no trees, no road, no dead goblins burning on the side of the, the road. There is nothing but a white space and this orb, along with this tiefling who's just mumbling under his breath, the return, the return, the return, the return. What do you guys do? Are we still in the white space as right now? Yes, yes. You are in this time funky place where it seems like you've been here before. You've been here. How long has it been? What's going on? Wait a second. Have I always been here? Um, Aen wants to do sort of a meditation. So maybe a knowledge check, the insight check to see if he if that name um, sparked anything or, you know, when it wants to check his memory he, to see if there's anything back there, the knowledge. So okay. To roll on that. Yeah, let's go ahead and just roll a uh, wisdom check. Okay, that's a fifteen on the die. His if we can back back to the home, his wisdom modifier is plus one, so that's fifteen. I mean sixteen. Fifteen plus one, sixteen. Math. Yeah. There's a part of your brain that remembers being alive, that remembers a place called Braven. Here in this space, it doesn't all make sense, but there's a small sliver of your mind that tells you Braven exists. This world isn't the only place. Based on the direction that you saw him coming from, based on the fact that he keeps muttering the same word over and over, it reminds you of an old diary that you found uh, a long time ago that had a one word repeated over and over. And it was a word that you weren't able to actually discern what it meant because it was in a language you didn't speak or read or understand. But with a 15 knowledge check, I will say that you kind of are able to kind of piece together that this person came from the uh, the secret cave where you guys as children found an orb that showed you a vision I I have a memory of this place and another um, he looks around to does he see every, he sees everyone else here nearby? Are we spread out? Uh, you guys are all here in this space. Okay. That that orb seemed familiar. Do you know where we are? Do any of you know where we are? I'm gonna roll the Makarna check. Oh, what? 
Arcana. I'm Arcana check. Yeah, I don't know where Arcana came from. <laughs> Arcana. I mean, I would I would have said Arcana as well. So he's he's been seeing <laughs> too many Arcana spiders. Check, please. It's I'm gonna run it, <laughs> but I haven't heard Arcana. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you're trying to say that one Pokemon's name. Uh, I'm gonna oh. run an Arceus check. <laughs> hey, one more, right? Accio Arceo. Uh, Copyright. It's less than ten words. We're good. Yeah, I I want to see if because we've been in this environment before, so I want to see if it's connected with um, I forgot the guy's name, but the original the guy who met us in that cave too. Um, I want to see if they're connected somehow. For those of you who haven't actually played the prologue, you can find this information on the World Anvil page. Or go back and listen to the prologues, which are on the podcast episodes, also on YouTube. That's a 23. And you're rolling Arcana. <laughs> yes. You definitely get the sense that this is some kind of magical device. I mean, clearly you are not standing where you once were. Something has taken you to this place and... What type of magic? You don't know. You've made a study of all things magic, and yet this eludes you. It doesn't have one solid grasp in any arcane field, and yet it seems to have all of them. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach for it and touch the orb. Okay. Kiki reaches out and touches the orb. A familiar response to Kiki being in this situation and everyone there's a flash of light and you see something that has always been in the back of your mind always haunting your nightmares and yet here it is real as anything else a horizon lit aflame volcanoes erupting where mountains once where the rivers have turned to barren ditches and wastelands. An army, one side of the valley, another army on the other, and complete chaos ensues in the valley as meteors are falling from the sky and devils are clashing against angels among the armies and there are cracks in the ground that have... Uh, demons and other underworldly things breaking out of them and uh, angels descending, devils ascending, and everything is chaos. There is a screaming and gnashing cacophony below you as you see this battle. And without even thinking about it, everybody looks up and you see the second moon. Eth, you know its name to be, to form a line from the inside, cracks shatter all over the moon, and this light permeates from inside as if something from the inside is trying to get out. There are cracks and slivers all over the moon now, and it's hard to tell where all of this is coming from, and all at once, the moon erupts, and the fragments of 
rock and fire and dust streak down to the earth. And before you are consumed in the dust cloud and debris cloud and fire cloud that erupts as the fragments of the moon are shattering all over the place, you see a figure in what used to be the moon. Massive, dark, undulating, and then you're taken. And you wake inside of not the space that you once were in. You wake to find yourself in a tent, a large field tent, surrounded by tent walls that are put up, and there's a bench and some chairs, a table with some food on it. And you find yourselves back in Braven, and suddenly, just like that, all of your memories come rushing back into your head, and you remember who you are and where you are. Did we really just do... Did we really fall for that again? <laughs> fall for what? You... You don't rem... Wait. Hang on. What? What were we talking about? That creature. What was that? What what was what? I, it looks it looks to be the the all the goblins have been taken care of. Yeah, oh, all the goblins they're they're gone. Uh, now that Cypress is we're past that cutscene. Um, he kind of shakes his head, and and before when he was fighting, you guys see that the the light that was emanating from his eyes and uh, his mouth was like a very deep dark green. Uh, now it's it's reverted back to kind of a, a lighter shade of green that you guys are more familiar with. What what it used to be five years ago or plus. plus. Um, I'm going to actually go and start looking over the goblins, Drew. Uh, what you want me to roll for that? Just to check them out. Uh, you are in a tent in the middle of the field that you guys once were. Uh, the tent flap, there is an open tent flap. If you want to head out, uh, you can. However, before you do, um, you see the mayor of Braven, Elavora Hahafanel. She kind of peeks her head and says, right on time. Welcome back. It's very good to have you all back with us again. Cyprus, it's very good to see you again. Were we asleep a long time again? Uh, yes. When you were in this state before, you were in that state for three weeks, almost to the hour, and having fallen into a similar state I counted on it being the exact same amount of time and it here you are awake three weeks to the hour I'm sure you all saw something very 
disturbing there. I'm not quite certain myself, however, knowing what it is does not change the fact of how gruesome it can be. Do you all need a moment? Or two? Mayor, um, <clears throat> I know he has spent some time in the capital. Um, at least I would see him there. Is Alador, is he in town as well? Uh, you say the name Alador, which is the name of her son, your childhood friend, and she casts her eyes down. She says, no, I'm afraid I haven't physically seen Alador in five years. He's broken off all contact with me. I, like the prying mother I am, I tried to scry on him, however... Uh, one of these times, he became aware that somebody was uh, trying to view him, and he obtained some sort of uh, amulet that would hide him from my divination. And that's actually why I'm glad all of you are here. I had a request that I'd like to make. The last time I saw him, he was involved with some rather shady individuals. I want him to make his own decisions. He has grown up, of course. Uh, she's just starting to kind of open up more. The mayor that you guys always knew as children, except for Cyprus, you were never really a child. Um, from before, you you knew that she was always kind of... Uh, snooty is not a good word, but abrupt. Always on a schedule, trying to maintain a proper... Uh, outward appearance, and the mayor that is standing before you today is a little more raw. She, especially as soon as she started talking about Alador, she says, um, I'm afraid the individual of whom uh, sparked this latest incident, uh, we, we have detained him. Um, and you look around in that that person who was there is, is no longer uh, there on the ground. Um, she says, uh, he should be awake actually right now. However, I wanted to um, talk to you first. I'm afraid Alador has possibly gotten mixed in with some kind of uh, nefarious people, people of, of bad ends. I'm not sure... But I suspect it may be this group that has, in the last few weeks, while you were uh, <clears throat> away, she kind of gestures to the 12-sided the uh, orb that is sitting there. And she says, in the last few weeks, there have been numerous sightings of, of strangely robed people who, um, well, they haven't been very welcoming. Uh, there was an incident at the memorial of the heroes here in town, and uh, we suspect it was them. Now, I don't know if Alador is with this group or not, which is why I am going to ask you to look into this matter. If he is, there's no one who could talk 
sense into him more than the six of you. You were his closest friends when you were younger. If he's not involved, then I'll be relieved. However, I believe this might have something to do with whatever it is you saw in those visions. And if anyone is equipped to handle this sort of situation, it would be you, Six. Now, I'm not asking you to do this for free. I have put in a formal submission into the Adventurers Guild. Um, so if you go and sign yourself up, uh, you will be handsomely rewarded. Um, you'll, you'll need to do that first, of course, to uh, formally accept the quest there, and then you can receive payment um, once it's done. Say no more, Mayor. He, Alador is our friend. We'll go find him. Well, mm. I'll go find him, and I really hope that y'all will join me. <laughs> Before we head yeah. out there, um, I explain the creature I saw <clears throat> that came out of the moon. Um, I'm trying to find out from the mayor in my explanation if she's heard or knows anything about what source or creature that was or any kind of history um if she's heard of anything like okay that. so yeah you describe what you saw in the vision and she says i've never heard of any sort of creature like this interesting you said it it came from the moon inside the moon yeah the second moon i believe that's very interesting what sort of creature or entity could survive in such a place uh she has no idea this is the first she's ever hearing about it and you just saying i saw a vague a vague undulating shape inside the moon you know she doesn't have anything to go off of okay in all your travels do you know of a location that might i guess give me a little bit more knowledge about creatures past well if you're to believe the fairy tales all of the creatures have originated from the world's eye however there are many theories and uh well we don't have time to quite get into it today however um you're a man of wisdom and learning i assume i'm sure you might have known more i am a specialty adventurer who has uh other dealings I may be the mayor, but I don't know everything. Anne will step forward and sort of directly address the mayor. Alador was our friend. I was supposed to return to the capital. I will see this through. I will, I will join everybody who will be going after him. Beyond that, I can't promise anything. Hey, but right I'll, on. I will at least be able to report back where he is. Uh, she looks at you kind of with fondness and she says, You're just like your father. It was such a, a devastating loss for all of us when he passed. I'm so glad that you have chosen to follow in his footsteps. Not only in occupation, but 
and your heart for others. He looks down, looks back up. Thank you. We will find Alador. And, um, I walk out the door. <laughs> nice. All right. So, um, does anybody else have anything else they want to do? If not, we are going to go ahead and assume that you guys are going to go ahead and go to the Adventurers League and uh, sign up there. I think um, if everybody else is leaving, I might ask the mayor if she, um, if there was anything discernible about those goblins that attacked. Um, anything? Yeah. She uh, notable. What what specifically do you want to know? Uh, you know, if they're just <laughs> activity uh, clans, you know. Sure. Any any threats? She or... says. <clears throat> she says there were not too many. There wasn't very many. There wasn't very much goblin activity um, until recently. Uh, there was some about two years ago. Uh, however, we got a group of adventurers together and, and kind of uh, chased them off. It seems that, however, uh, they've returned. Um, distinct markings. Uh, the goblins that you slayed uh, three weeks ago did all have uh, similar markings on them. Uh, we, we identified them to be... Uh, uh, a broken crown on on all of them, uh, branded into their arms. Are you, you familiar with that at all? I'm not sure why you'd be asking. Yeah, no, thank you. And then I'll, I'll walk out. All right. Fast forwarding over, you guys uh, walk into town and you are. Uh, those of you who have lived here, like, you know exactly where the Adventurers Guild is, everybody's lives up to this point. You've maybe been in there a few times. Um, it is a well known place now that adventurers are needed. Uh, previously, due to the magic circles and things protecting the towns, nobody really needed adventurers around cities and towns because it was protected from uh, all sorts of fiendish monstrosities. However, now that the barriers are down, the Adventurers Guild is one of the busiest places in all of Braven. Uh, you enter the doors of the Haven and you hear there is a, a bard in the corner. Uh, Marilyn's not your mom. Um, there is, is, is kind of playing a, a jaunty tune and you hear drinks clinking and, and laughter. And, uh, there is the burping and belching of people who have had maybe a little too much to drink. Uh, and you find yourself at the countertop where this older human man is, is standing there kind of wiping the counter down. And he says, well, so, party of six adventurers, eh? Don't tell me you want to sign up to become one of our newest adventuring teams. Yes, sir. I do believe we would, sir. Ah, perfect. If I can have you all sign these waivers, 
He pulls out these parchment papers and some ink quills and pens. He says, this is just in case uh, things don't go your way and we have to uh, mm, pick up your bodies and return them to your beloved ones. Uh, you'll notice there on line three it says closest kin. Uh, you can mark whoever you want your items belonging to if you so happen to perish in the field. Uh, you can mark that there, line three. Uh, line four is very important. It, it says uh, this is your... Uh, if your party uh, brings you back dead, do you want revived? That's very important. If it's left blank, uh, I'm not held responsible if you stay dead. I take the pen, sign off, I sign very eagerly to be able to get out the guild. Aen takes his form, takes his... He actually pulls out his own pocket collection of quills and inks and pens, and he goes to sign, and when he goes to the benefactor of the next of kin, he starts to write um, Andal, and then he stops himself. It has a moment. And then just writes in the address of his internship, his investigation organization back in the capital city of Elise. Well, um, I'm going to do my best to make sure y'all don't die. And even if you do, well, I'll see if I can pull a few strings with uh, the Mother Earth. But it, it might it might help to put that uh, please try and resuscitate me just just in case, you know, just just maybe. And she signs off. Milo scratches out the paperwork and hands it back in. All right. Like his, his handwriting is chicken scratch. Cypress accidentally <laughs> Interesting breaks. character choice. <laughs> Cypress accidentally breaks three pins trying to get it like tiny. And... Oh. <laughs> he says... Just make your mark. You don't have to. After like recovering his three broken pen like quills, he's like, "You could just make your mark. It's fine." I'll put my finger in the ink and. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, uh, here are your adventurer tags, and he kind of pulls out a drawer, and he kind of all hands you uh, copper tags. Um and magically he kind of like waves his hand over it and your names your blood type your uh height um and where you're an adventurer so it says like braven's guild haven uh all on the tag he kind of magically inscribes it on there and he says all right here you go uh now you're the lot that got the special uh quest from the mayor correct from what i was told Oh, very good. Very good. Uh, yeah, that one's recently popped up. Um, all I can say is, uh, check the cathedral, uh, the, the memorial of heroes. You might find your best uh, clues to start your investigation there. Thanks. Thank you, Khan, sir. Oh, by the name, by the way, uh, my name is Jon Honore. Uh, pleasure to meet you. I am the owner and establisher here at the Haven, and I hope to see a lot more of you. All in one piece, that is. Eh. 
Uh, Drew, last time you talked about a like a quest board uh, with different things. I'm assuming that's um, still there, just options and activities, some above our level, but... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, so the quest board is there, and you see uh, written at the top, it has like the color um, of... Like, these are the copper requests. These are silver, gold, platinum, emerald, sapphire, and all those different kinds of layered requests. Um, do you want to walk over to the board? Uh, I might check it just very quickly, um, probably focusing on the lower uh, stuff just for you know, goblin activity. Uh, any specific quest related to that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You see... I'd say out of all of the requests there, there is, oh, my pig's gone missing, bronze request. There is, oh, there's a strange noise coming from the well, bronze request. Uh, the one that catches your eye is goblin activity sighted on the ridge near uh, Kelter Point. And that is what sticks out to you. Cool. I'll make a note of it up here and Head on out. Oh, let's see. I see Cypress looking at the uh, the quest, and so I take a stroll over there too, just to take a look. Um, anything over there that kind of hints towards, um, I guess you can say, um, like. Um, any kind of magical items or like books or like items that someone needs to be found? Uh, you don't really see any requests of that type. Most of the requests here at this time are for uh, strange activity or uh, monster sighted over in this area. Um, but no, there's no requests for, oh, someone go find my lost book. Um, you don't see anything of that nature. Okay. Uh, you... Uh, You'll see oh, Aon start to walk towards the door. In his eyes, he doesn't care about the board. He's here for... He agreed to do one mission. We had the mission in hand. He puts his paper together in his things, and he's headed out the door. Jan will look at you guys kind of standing at the board, and he'll say, oh, By the way, you can only take one request at a time. Uh, if you take two requests and die before you get to the second, then that means another adventurer can't take that quest and get it done in the meantime. So, uh, you fellows will have to wait until you're done with the first one before you try to take another one. As soon as he says that, I turn around, head towards the door, and I'm out. All right. Oh, as a matter of fact, I stop as I touch the doorknob, turn back around, and I ask him if he um, sells any shields. Uh, shields? Oh, you can get that over at Gables. Gables? All right, thank you. And Hi, sir. I had to his gables real quick to get me a shield. Cool. How much gold do you have? 65. Okay. All right. Yeah. Go ahead and mark that off if you can afford it. Yeah. <laughs> if you want a shield and you have some gold, like go buy a shield. It's up Hell to you. Yeah. Are you giving this? Are you giving this? Uh, so it depends on the amount of gold. Because uh, are there like different kinds of shields? I know there are different kinds of shields. So based on our gold. It's just plus that, two. I got you, but like, okay, gotcha. Yep. No magic. Yeah, Gable says, I only make one kind of shield. It's a plus uh, two. 
Here you go. Ten gold. <laughs> I, I How really many do like you want? It. One, two? Yeah. You short stack. You want one? <laughs> I, I love the idea of like uh kiki and Vibril just like going in and got like one of those little like uh cart like baskets and just like walking around and like having this kind of like a slice of life <laughs> uh which lasts for about five steps because gables isn't a very big store yeah <laughs> like oh this is wonderful bump you hit the wall all right uh everybody who got it who wants a shield mark it off your gold we're moving on um, so you all find yourself now standing at the entrance to the Hall of Heroes, the memorial that marks uh, the tomb of Elon, the legendary hero who ended the war between the Brune Empire and the Kingdom of Elysia 150 years ago. Of course, as always, there is the big marble statue of him holding his magical sword, Alessandra, and you you see that you see the guards who are wait a minute normally there's not that many guards around here uh they have increased their uh patrol so there are more guards kind of out and about um milo you see one of your cousins they kind of wave at you like hey milo hey uh yeah so you guys are standing here in front of the hall of heroes the memorial for the fallen I want to ask um, one of the guards. I want to walk up to him and just be uh, what you know, the mayor has sent us over. Um, what's been going on? Uh, we're trying to gather leads to just piece everything together. Uh, well, basically, um, about uh, two weeks ago, we had our first kind of weird encounter. This this group claiming uh, religious rights uh, wanted to get in of course we tried to search them uh, several of them were concealing weapons and when confronted they all turned and ran it was very weird um, the guard says he says also um, there ever since then we've really been on lookout uh, a few more attempts at night especially uh, actually <laughs> uh, last night speaking of which uh, there was a uh, window broken um, and by the time we got there, we found, we found someone trying to, uh, trying to climb in and, uh, we, we scared him off, scared him off real good. Earning my pay today. Yep. Uh, just around the back, right over there. Thank you. I just saw, I you guys want to go this. check that out? Yeah. I was about to say, uh, Sounds Kiki good. goes around to check out the window. Sure. Uh, Kiki the Grave Cleric is going to make an investigation check for us. Hell yeah. Nope. Uh, help action. I'm going to be helping out looking at it. So I got a total of six. <laughs> you, help you got advantage. I'm helping you. So thank you. Okay, that's going to make it a 12. Uh you and Milo are kind of like, yeah, we got this. And you you go and you definitely see that the window has been boarded up. However, there is not anything. You spend a while kind of looking and you're like, oh, maybe they went around this way. Or maybe maybe we should go look over there. And you, you and Milo kind of go off and do your own thing. Um, go ahead. Uh, while they're looking, I'm going to start ritual casting the uh, Speak with Animals uh, spell. 
Uh, All right. And just uh, anything that I can see here. I know they said it happened last night, so I don't imagine there's nocturnal animals uh, present. So what I'd like to try to do is, uh, well, I mean, see if anything knows um, if whatever animal I can find, if they happen to know what's what happened. And if they don't, if they would know where a nocturnal animal would live in the city that I could go try to find. Uh, you see some pigeons on the roof. Damn pigeons. Uh, of the Temple Mount. Do I see any dogs or anything? <laughs> I don't trust pigeons. Okay. Yeah, fly, flying rats. Strange not to not to trust pigeons. Huh? You know, they're the past lives. They're the eyes of the sky. Rats of the skies. Uh, make a nature check. Not like a perception. Well, you're trying to find a spot where an animal would be, so we're going to call okay. it nature. That's fair. Um, I rolled a 19, so plus one is a 20. Nice. I'm going to mm -hmm. say with a 20, you find a dog, a back alley dog that uh, nice. is just sitting there chewing on a bone. Kind of. Right. Yeah, look so uh, speak with animals. I gain the ability to comprehend and verbally communicate with beasts for the duration of up to 10 minutes. Uh, the knowledge and awareness of many beasts is limited by their intelligence, but at minimum, beasts can give you information about nearby locations, monsters, including what they can perceive or have perceived within the past day. I may be able to persuade them to do a small favor at the DM's discretion. Hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so, yeah, you finish casting this spell, and all of a sudden you see this, this dog. You go up to it, I guess, and you start talking. Oh, hi there. Uh, my name's Cypress. Uh, I've got a few questions for you, if you if you have a moment. Oh, oh, hi. Oh, oh, hi. How, how's it going? Oh, it's going all right. Hi. Hi. You look you, like a good boy. Are you a good boy? Oh, I'm the best boy. I'm the best boy. I'm the best boy. That's great. What's your name? Name? Oh, they, they call me Fido. Ah, Fido. All right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Fido. Oh, that's not too original, like but you know what? If I... No, F I T O, like like fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, because I fight oh, yeah. real good. Yeah, you you look tough. Yeah, I would. Oh, careful, I'm a friend. Ha ha. Huh? Uh, strongest dog, strongest dog on the block. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm a good boy. Yeah, hey, can you pet the, me? I will definitely you pet be me? giving him scratches as I'm talking to him. But like, listen, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So you know, there's a thing over there, and uh, some people saying they broke into it, uh, caused a ruckus. Trying to find out who did it. Who was trying to find some bad boys? Yeah. Oh no. Bad boys. Help. Her, her. Oh, bad boys. Don't like bad boys. Oh yeah, yeah. I was here. Yeah, yeah. That's where I found this bone. Yeah. Huh. I'm a good boy. All right. Hey. Hey. Uh. Can I have that bone? Take a look at it. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna druidcraft a like a stick. I don't know. Uh, and I'll trade you. Uh, I got the stick here. Uh, I made it. It's he, just for you. Fight he home. sniffs it. He sniffs it real close. <laughs> Eh, I like the bone better, but uh, I guess you're you're pretty nice. If you throw it for me, I'll give you the bone. So uh, actually, I'll I'll upgrade because Druidcraft you can make a harmless sensory effect, so I can make it smell like a bone, like for at least a little bit. You're like, you that's a that's a funny looking bone. Oh, I've never seen one like that before. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I made it just for you. As you're my new friend, Fito. Oh, you're amazing. Oh, wow. I think, I think I have a new best friend. 
Oh, yeah, you know. That's yeah, nice. they came last night. There was some weird noises last night. I barked. I scared them off, I think. Didn't tell which way they went. Oh, they ran off. Uh, uh, I guess over that way? And he kind of points off to the right. Um, if you're looking at the Roll20 map, it's over on uh, past the farm. So there's that natural kind of uh, breakaway from the cliffs. There is that sloped incline. Um, he said, yeah, yeah, they, they went past that. They kept running. Uh. I, I kind of stopped barking after then because uh, my throat was real tired. I was getting thirsty. Well, all right. You, you, you did your job. That makes sense. Yep. All right. All right. Well, fight him. I'll, uh, I'm going to go talk to my other friends. And, uh, oh, you done real good. It's a good boy. <laughs> Scratch right behind his ears there. Oh, uh, that's the spot. That's the spot. Uh, right as you kind of walk away and your drew and your speak with animals kind of ends. It doesn't have to be right now, which is at the end of the spell. You hear Fido yelling out, hey, that's not a bone. That's it. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, and I'll relay the information that I found out uh, from Phyto. Okay, yeah. So you guys do that. Yeah. Uh, what are you guys doing now uh, while Cypress was talking to this dog? I think I'm watching him. I look over at Ayan and I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> um, Ayan's not um, paying attention to him at all. He's doing his own little sort of like visual sweeps of the scene, talking to different soldiers and guards, <clears throat> acquiring as much intel as he can. Okay, oh, yeah. So the basic detective. gist of what, what the what the guards say is uh, the most recent kind of activity from this strange group that's moved in is um last night there was an attempted break-in uh, a couple days ago there was a small fire that was lit across the street um, by the time the guards had put it out they noticed that there were uh people kind of moving in around the memorial they went back and chased them off um very very strange and uh from the looks of it it's always been like towards dusk or night there isn't really any activity during the day, um, but they definitely are on the lookout. So they're, he, yeah, he actually said that the guard said that they're actually bringing in more guards uh, for the night shift. So I want to approach the uh, guard and I want to make a proposition. I want to say, why don't you let us um, be the guard for the night? Um, I don't mind if you guys are here, um, but we're trying to piece this together. Um, so maybe if you guys take observation positions and let us do the normal patrol, um, just so we can get a better grasp of what happens in the evening. All right. So a town's guard main job is to keep everyone in town safe. Um, go ahead and roll a persuasion roll. And Ooh, can based I help on out with this? Because um, Kiki would know the town and know the guards, and so she could kind of vouch for Mary. You would, however, you and Milo are kind of off investigating your own trail right now. Yeah. So this is all this is all happening in the same time. Okay, so then Ayan will wants to assist, and he will even I don't want to step on Marilyn's toes here whatsoever, but he will aid by casting charm person. 
I thought about it, but they will know they're charmed after it's done. That's fine. Um, it lasts an hour. It's enough for us to to do the shift. So they'll be like, oh, that was a charming young man. But here's here's Ayn's play. Um, he will... I mean, would he? Would Ayn know any of these guards' names? Um, you recognize that there are a few halflings. Um, yeah. There are... Um, Milo has a very large extended family. Uh, and so, you know, a couple of them were like, oh, Milo, yeah, you can go check around the back. There's back something back happened back there. No, I'm actually going to um, take Marilyn's words. I won't do the actual cast because I don't want to okay. jeopard it afterwards. I will just add in after Marilyn speaks. Yes, my, my father always wanted me to practice, and I think he would have wanted me to try out to help as much as I can. Did you know? And he'll look up sheepishly. Did you know my father, Andel? Oh, how could I forget? A man saved my life. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, he's he was a huge Andel fan. So, uh, Marilyn, go ahead and make your roll with advantage. Take two d20s. With advantage. Yeah, because he's giving be... you the help action. Well, that puts me at 25. Yeah. So with a 25, his overall, like, I have to keep everybody safe. Please let me do my job. is kind of overridden where it's like, well, uh, I also see that, oh, you've got your adventurer's tag. Okay, well, that's one less liability I have to worry about. Uh, sure, yeah, I tell you what. You play me that uh, liar you've got there a little bit, and uh, we'll happily take you on for the watch tonight. Okay, well, I don't have any words for us. I don't actually want to do anything, but uh, I want to play him. A little tale about Aeon, boy detective. Nice. I'm a man. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, all right, so we're going to fast track a little bit. Uh, the sun goes down eventually, and you guys all kind of settle into your shifts. Everybody talks about the plan. Everybody knows the plan. You're on stakeout here at the Hero Memorial and yeah i wanted to do something specific which is why i proposed that i want to cast disguise self on myself and dress myself up like that first tiefling we met in the cave years ago and like wait till i see any form of movement that make it really conspicuous that i'm trying to break in so that anyone who's coming up behind me would see like oh there's already someone there breaking in Okay, so let me get this straight. You're going to disguise wanna... yourself as one of the perpetrators. Are you going to tell the guards what you're doing? Yeah. I'm, I, I didn't think about that. I, I'm at least going to tell my crew. <laughs> okay, so you're telling... I, I would have told them the plan, So, but I didn't think about telling the guards, so maybe one of them had, would have thought about that because I would have already discussed the I'd, plan with them. I'd tell the guards. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the guards give you a suspicious look like, uh, okay, thanks for not telling us. That would have been awkward. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, you guys see, uh, as, yeah, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. If, um, it's fine. If we're going to wait a while, if I could convince, um, Fido to maybe help us keep an alert, um, 
maybe roll like a animal handling to see if I could do a small have him do a small favor. Just get just... a get a bork. You know what? Him. You know I I assume after the stick incident he uh, was not very happy with you until you brought him a, a bone stick. and a bigger well sticker bone. It's your call. But uh, yeah, he happily agrees. You and him, pretty tight. All right, nice. Actually, it is the sound of Fido barking down an alleyway that catches everybody's attention. And you all are kind of gathered around. Uh, Marilyn, you're in your disguise. Uh, what are you doing? Well, I'm trying to make it so that the crew isn't visible and i'm they from like whenever i get the signal that someone's coming i make it relatively obvious that a guy in a robe is trying to get into the building and then like i Mm -hmm. do just to try and convince them like oh we can let our guard down a little bit we already have a way in let's just go do it you know jeff must have got here early or something sure uh you see that the dog barking has uh, spooked whatever it was. There's a little ruckus as whoever this shady person is kind of bumps into a barrel and now begins to uh, kind of take off. Like it seemed like the person was going to uh, try to get a little closer. However, the person uh, took off and in that person's haste, you guys run up to where the sound came from. And in that person's haste, you see that the, the noise came from when that, the person was um, running and they, and they turned and they, and they ran it right into the cart. And there is a, in the fading light, along with the light coming from Cypress's kind of glowing green eyes, you see that there is a trail of blood that goes kind of out of town. And that is where we're going to pick it up next episode. Hey, well, I fight right it. It's me and you. I thought it was going to be a good plan. <laughs> it was. It was really good. <laughs> and that's it for episode one of Fadery Forge. This has been Tropes and Tabletops. Signing off for the rest of the crew. This is John. Make sure you like and subscribe. Share the episodes with a friend if you like what you're hearing. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>